So good evening everyone. Thank you very much for coming from far away and nearby. We're discussing and reading from Sri Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. We are nearing the end of the Bhagavat Sandarbha. In Anacheta 96, Jiva Goswami discusses at some length the Chatur Sloki. He's going to present actually seven verses as a way of introduction, introducing what exactly Krishna said to Brahma, offering Brahma a blessing to be able to understand it. And then the essence of the Bhagavatam in four verses is delivered to Brahma. And then another blessing is uh, given. So the first of the seven verses uh, reads in English as follows. Receive from me this most confidential knowledge regarding me, Gyan, which includes its realization, Vigyan, its mystery, Rahasya, and its component part, Anga, as I enunciate it to you. We went over the uh, definition of these uh, terms. Uh, the Lord begins by naming four items that he will describe to Brahma. Gyan, Vigyan, Rahasya, and Tadanga. Gyan in this context is uh, a discussion of the knowledge of the Supreme Lord. Now we know that the Bhagavatam actually when speaking of, of the Supreme and the whole delivery of the text, um, the knowledge that's delivered is delivered in uh, ten parts. Ten subjects of the Bhagavatam are discussed uh, comprehensively in the text. So we can look to that gyan as being those ten parts. Now we went over those parts which are actually given in two uh, places in the Bhagavatam at the end of the second canto and then also again uh, near the end of the text itself. So we'll just go over those just to remember what Gyan Krishna is speaking about to Brahma. In this book, in this book, Srimad Bhagavatam, ten subjects are discussed. Sarga, the original setting in motion of the primordial soup, so to say, <laughs> the primordial, primordial primary creation, the beginning. So here we're talking about the amalgamation of elements to create specific universes. That's called sarga. Then we have secondary creation, visarga. This is generally referred to as the creation of Brahma wherein Brahma creates and gives facility to the living entity. So Sarga, Visarga, Stana, uh, the sustenance of living beings. In other words, the universe comes complete with table, chairs, a plate, and food for the living entities. Uh, so the Lord supplies the necessities of, of those that have... Uh, 
who are taking up residence in a material universe. And he does that through the agency of Brahma and the demigods. They're more or less in charge of providing. He provides the ingredients and they they manage the affair under his direction. Uh, so we're at the beginning of the of this whole process and Brahma, you know, is being provided with a nutshell of of the essence of the Bhagavatam because he's got a big task at hand and he should see that there's some there's not only is it, it the fulfillment of the desires of the jiva, there's also more importantly the fulfillment of the desire of the supreme in regards to the creation. So Krishna's giving him his side of the story in this in a nutshell form. Um, and as we heard in the last Anucheta, uh, Jiva Goswami also gives some evidence that he uh, at some time uh, delivered the whole Bhagavatam, not just in a seed form of four verses. At least that's Jiva Goswami's conclusion. So Sarga, the Lord decides to create and creates the universal shell with all the elements and, and lays down in the waters, the casual waters, and from his lake, the lake of his nave, navel comes a stem and there's Brahma. Then Brahma takes over from there after he meditates for a thousand celestial years and he meets Krishna. Krishna is very happy with his taking to heart tapa tapa. You've taken to heart to do some austerity to to uh, do your service nicely. Now let me enthuse you. So this is the enthusing part. These four verses. Know, know these things. If you know these things everything you do in your creation will be perfect if you can take these to heart. So I'm going to instruct you and I'm going to bless you that you'll never forget these instructions. You'll never forget what I'm giving you. I'm giving you spiritual knowledge and you're going to hold it with you for throughout the term of your administration. So it's it's quite a quite a nice arrangement. So, Sarga, Visarga, Stana, all the living entities are provided for that are in a universe. Uh, Posana, protection, the Lord protects the living entities. Uh, specifically, he nurtures his devotees. So, providing sustenance, providing protection, uh, and providing facility for um, uti stana pasana uti uti means field of activities for the living entities and the field of activities is based upon what prior impressions from the last creation carryover impressions for those that didn't get out that are still within the material universe so these impressions are there the impressions sometimes 
Isn't it karma? Or is impressions different from karma? Different. Well, impressions. The impressions the living entity carries are from his last involvement in a material creation. So there's a period of dormancy where there's no it's deep sleep and then another creation comes and we take off left where we left off just like within one creation the living entity goes through a more rapid reincarnation. So born, die, enter another womb and take off. So uh, yeah, it's unfulfilled desires, it's impressions that people have and there's also, I guess you could, yeah, there's karma, there's karma. Some people would certainly uh, use that nomenclature, nomenclature, but really what is karma, more than anything, it's an impression of of something that the living entity wants to attain and you know engagement in goal-oriented action and of course that karma or impression also carries concomitant desires which are not favorable to the living entity, to the jiva. We would call that bad karma. That, you know, you killed somebody uh, unnecessarily in, in your prior life, in the next life. If that was not properly atoned for, if you did not take good direction and perform some sacrifice to eliminate that that reaction, um, then yes, you're going to have to pay for it in the future. Generally, ideally, hopefully, because it does, you know, with the animals there is no karma, but with a human being, hopefully, whenever there's some, you know, like for a warrior is killing on the battlefield. But if he's killed on the battlefield, it's resolved. And because it's on the battlefield, it doesn't, you know, it's it's more a matter of duty. Um, karma is a very deep and complex subject we could discuss for hours. But yes, Uti includes that. Sarga-visarga stana posana Uti manvantara Manvantara can be looked at as as the marching of time, the succession of kings. The Manus basically reign over periods of time, uh, one after another, and uh, they lead humanity. They create situation for the for the leadership of humanity. So you have a Manvantara and you have a whole administration that comes with a Manu. There's an Indra, there's all the demigods. They're all assigned their post. And when Manu gives up, then there's a changing of the guard. Executive. So, yes, that's a good example. 
uh, Isanukata, narration of the pastimes of the Supreme and his devotees. Uh, Naroda, which is the desolation of the creation. Mukti, liberation, different kinds of mukti. And Ashraya, the shelter of all, the supreme. So these are the ten subjects of the Bhagavatam, which are being referred to in this one word by Krishna to Brahma, Jnana, because these are the ten subjects of the text. We went over most of this in the last class. So these four items, Jnana, Vijnana, realization, realization of the Lord, Rahasya, which can be referred to as Prem Bhakti. I mean, he's talking very high subjects to Brahma here also, from the lowest to the highest. And um, Tadanuanga, Tadanga, which can be seen as Sadhana Bhakti. So Sadhana Bhakti is the process by which this knowledge becomes realized, Vigyan. So the knowledge is there, but then the sadhana is like the catalyst. It like makes makes the knowledge of the Bhagavatam, the knowledge of this spotless Purana, bear fruit for the living entity. Now, Brahma is the first living entity, so it has to bear fruit for him. And he is the uh, he is the leader uh, of all the living entities, being the creator. And he also has his own sampradaya, his own spiritual succession. So not only does he have all the living entities which are coming from him, ultimately he's the father of mankind and uh, and humankind, and animal kind, and every kind. So, not only is the knowledge, but there's also the, the realization of that knowledge. So these ten subjects are realized, and sadhana bhakti, tad agga, in this verse, uh, is the method. As I said, something like a catalyst. It... Uh, it brings to life. It brings, it brings the, the revelation. It adds the revelation to the simple knowledge of everything that's presented in the text. Here the text is simply four verses, but in the text of the whole verse also, the sadhana brings, makes it bear fruit for the living entity. Here it's going to bear fruit for Brahma, and uh, but he kind of did his sudden in advance because he's already at the stage of realizing Krishna face to face. Now, if someone's free of all offenses, if there's no anarthas, if there's no, if that's if that's not there, he can be immediately awakened to prem bhakti. 
So Rahashya can come immediately to someone who's who's free of offense. That's the exception, not the rule. Generally, there is some offense and sudden is required in order to have the knowledge become revelation. And basically, when we look what is an anartha, it's, it's our addiction to everything that's not truth. You know, so I mean, if we're, if we're simply addicted to the truth, then we're in a very, very fortunate condition. Now, how's that sadhana take form? That sadhana takes form progressively. And Srila Rupa Goswami outlined that progression in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Adao Shraddha Tata Sadhu Sangotha Bhajana Kriya Tato Narthani Vritti Shat Tato Nista Ruchistata Tata Sakti Tato Bhavas Tata Prema Bhivdanchati Sadakadam Ayam Premna Pradur Bhava Bhavet Krama Krama mean chronologically, step by step, one after the other. So, for those that are not free of anarthas, who have some untruth as a foundational uh, component of their uh, existence and consciousness, then this gradual step-by-step progression, beginning with having a little faith, and the faith has to be what? It has to be in truth as it's presented. And where's truth presented? Well, truth comes from all kinds of places. And in the beginning of Tatmas and Dharma, we're confronted with the challenge by Jiva Goswami where he says, well, here's different, here's different methods by which one can get truth. Now, this one doesn't work, nor does that one work perfectly. The senses, well, they're not actually fully there, so to speak. But there's one source for knowledge which is perfect, and that's Shastra. Well, let's look at all the Shastra. Let's just, let's get specific. And he he brings us to the conclusion through logic and that if we're looking for truth then our primary evidence of true truth is the Srimad Bhagavatam of all the Shastras. So now we have a great beginning point to go forward and now Shraddha. Where do we put our faith? We put our faith in the Srimad Bhagavatam. What are we studying right here at the end of the Bhagavat Sandarbha? What is the essence of that presentation? And that's the Chatur Sloki. So now we'll come to the next verse. The first verse, of course, is Krishna is requesting Brahma, you, you learn from me these four items. 
That's what I'm going to deliver to you. The in essence, these four items: jnana, vijnana, rahasya, and tadanga. So now there's another ingredient required for this knowledge to take seat in Brahma in his heart and that is he needs the blessing of the guru Adao Shraddha Tata Sadhu so the faith could be there and Brahma's proven his faith through his following of the instruction Tapa Tapa so now in order to in order for that to fully fructify because he showed I have faith if you give me instruction I'll follow what you say I will I will listen to I will hear I will imbibe so now we come to well now you need a guru you need the blessing of the guru now what's what's really the blessing of the guru his instruction that's his blessing but there's more than just what's included in the instruction is the intent of the guru for your well-being the, it's not just instruction alone that the guru gives the guru gives instruction but he gives instruction with an intent on his part otherwise why would he take the time there has to be for for there has to be a, a fertile field what's the what's the fertile field is the faith and then the guru has some impetus seeing some true faith to deliver the message so now in that delivery and instruction there is that intent on the part of the guru and that truly is his blessing. So Krishna's, Krishna's giving a blessing here in the second of the seven verses that Jiva's using. It's a blessing verse. And then we'll get into the, the heart of the Bhagavatam in four seed verses. Or we could just go to the Bhagavatam and study that. But I think we want to go on with Jeeva's Sundarbas. So we'll just study this, the four uh, in a, uh, a code-like form as Jiva presents them here. The Lord then blesses Brahma so that the aspired four potentials of Vigyan and Rahasya could be actualized. Vigyan means realization of the knowledge more than just knowing it you have to experience it the experience comes from the more we involve ourselves in the application of the knowledge the more we hear without anarthas then the knowledge is realized and what what's the other thing rahasya the taste for the knowledge begins then we really then we start to live another life we're we we move from the 
the world of pluses and minuses to the world of of rasa, of prem, of prem bhakti, and that's what the Bhagavatam gives, prem. That is the fruit of the Bhagavatam. So this verse reads, uh, Yavan aham yathabhavo yadrupa guna karmaka tathaiva tattva vigyanam astu te mad anugrahat By my grace may true realization dawn in you. Of me, in my utter completion, as I am in my existence, complete with form, attributes, and action. Now we can see why Jiva wanted to include this verse in his explanation. How can you derive any conclusion regarding the Chatur Sloki of the Bhagavat Purana, the Srimad Bhagavatam, which would lead you to an understanding that the Chatur Sloki, the essence of the Bhagavatam, is speaking about the Brahman. You can't. This this blessing in itself is spoken by somebody. It's a person. And he talks about himself. I want to bless you. So that what? So that you recognize my existence. What is in my existence? I have a form. I have attributes and I do stuff. So let's not be confused. It's exactly the it stands in exact opposition. What the Supreme is saying here stands in direct opposition to the conception of Brahman. So there can be no confusion. Rupa Goswami continues in his Sandarbha. He writes the phrase, In my utter completion, Yavan Aham means to the full measure of my essential nature. As I am in my existence, Yathabhava means my fundamental being or the characteristics that identify me. In the phrase, I am complete with form, attributes, and action, Yadrupa Guna Karmaka, the word form refers to forms such as those that are blackish or four-handed, all of which are within my essential nature. The word attributes refers to my attributes, such as affection for my devotees. The word action refers to play, leela, enacted by me in these various forms. May true realization, tattva vigyan, or in other words, direct experience of me as I am, as I exist complete with all these aforementioned aspects, tathaiva, dawn in you by my grace. 
Yavan aham yathabavo tad rupa guna karmaka tataiva tatva vigyanam astute mad anugrahat. I mean, so Jiva's taken out these words and he's he's written them out for this. Let's this is exactly what the Supreme is saying to Brahma in this verse. This verse automatically, this is Jiva writing more, this verse automatically repudiates any interpretation of Chatur Sloki that claims that the Absolute is devoid of potency or attributes. Later on in Srimad Bhagavatam, while speaking to Uddhava, Sri Krishna refers to Chatur Sloki as the supreme knowledge that illuminates my glories. My glories. I mean, what glories can Brahman have if it can't have any attributes? And the second you attribute something to Brahman, then the definition of Brahman has been affected by Unupadi. Right, an impression. You've 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 projected something onto Brahman. Brahman is, is is nothing that can be projected upon. According to the philosophical conclusion of the Dwaitans. The radical dualist interpretation of the four verses cannot reconcile with the present verse. Just because for them Brahman has no rupa, guna, or karma. Now Krishna is telling Brahma, know me with my rupa, my guna, and my karma. Why would Brahman present itself as a person and say to know fully itself if in the ultimate issue runa, rupa, form, guna, and karma, attributes and actions don't exist in its nature. In this verse, tattva vigyana refers to Bhagavan's personal form and not to Brahman because it is being used in connection with Ruma, Rupa, Guna, and Karma. Jiva goes on, the compound word, word Tattva Vigyan indicates that the Lord's form and so on are part of his essential nature. In this verse, the Lord's blessings for direct realization are explicit the blessing for Rahasya is also present since Prem would certainly arise through the factual experience of all these features which are supremely blissful in nature. The verse doesn't really mention Prem directly is what Jeeva is saying. But if you have the Lord's form and you know his attributes and experience them and his leela, then 
There's what we don't even need to say, Prem. It's implied in that, what is this? This is not Gyan, this is Vigyan. So in the Vigyan of the Lord's form, attributes, Leela, then naturally there's, there cannot be any experience of that which is the devoid of praying. The verse spoken by Uddhava in the third canto, wherein he quotes the words Krishna spoke to him when the two met just before the Lord's return to his own abode. Uh, this is a substantiating verse. I shall now speak to you. This is uh, what Krishna said to Uddhava. That supreme knowledge which illuminates my glory, which the sages call Bhagavatam, and which I taught to the unborn Brahma while he was still seated on my navel lotus at the dawn of creation. The point is that Sri Krishna imparted the same knowledge to Uddhava in the 11th canto that he had given to Brahma, as Uddhava himself stated to Vidura when the two met in Vrindavan. And this brings us to the Chatur Sloki proper. But I'll stop here for tonight. Are there any questions? Thank you so much for your association.